here we go on a Hurricane Hil- Hillary Sunday morning. Are we in Las Vegas, man? Hurricane Hillary. Interesting. Well, if you're tuning in for the first time, this is Out of Line. I'm Brian Feldman, and we are here live in the temporary Fox Sports Residence at Bank Corp with on Financial Studio. And we are here every Sunday at 8 at Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 13.40 AM. Flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. The we also includes social media director Spencer The Wiz! And uh, also here producing today's show, we have a special special producer, and that is Doug Douglas joining us in studio. We hear Doug all the time at T-Mobile Arena during Las Vegas Golden Knights games. It's pretty cool. He is the media guy. I don't know why, Spencer, I'm hearing a wicked... Echo, echo in my in my headset. In my headset. I'm, not I'm not sure what that is. If that's StreamYard or this, but it's killing, it's killing me. me. <laughs> Anyways, there we go. That's a way better. That is StreamYard, though, unfortunately. Is that, that is, yeah, that is StreamYard. Spencer, Spencer will figure that out, I think, or come, or come in here and do so. something. But anyways, appreciate, appreciate Doug, Doug being, being here as well. well. And, um, and um, if you are, if you are listening again for the first time, we're also streaming live on the LB Sports And you can watch the show on Facebook Live and on Twitch now. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. And that is at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp with OnQ Financial Studio Line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on tap brought to you by title sponsor, title sponsor Residential, Residential Bank Corp, Corp with OnQ Financial. Financial. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp with OnQ Financial is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Call 702-964-5720, Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. On tap, Jonathan Marcheseau, Con Smythe winner, finally gets his, gets day, his day with, with the, the cup. cup. And, uh, and we'll talk we'll a little talk bit about, about that. that. Pretty cool, Pretty right, cool. To, a right hospital, to a hospital. And, um, and um, even though I even told, I told you, last you last week that Jonathan Archer will not be a member of the Vegas, Vegas Golden Knights starting next season in 2024. 2024. You didn't believe me before when I told you Mark and Mary Fleury wouldn't be here. Ryan Reeves would leave. Riley Smith would be gone. I'm not being Nostradamus here. It's just it's understanding hockey and the business side of the game. And again, as I said many times, and we'll talk about that a little bit in Nightcap, is far be it from me or anyone. To question, to question anything, anything Kelly, Kelly McCrimmon or George, George McPhee, McPhee does, does at this time. This time. Um, Bill, Foley, Bill Foley, to me, one of the best owners I've ever I've seen in my life, life because he comes in with a game plan, plan executes it, makes it, makes it happen, and the number and the one number thing one that thing guy, guy does is he lets he hockey, hockey people, people make hockey decisions, decisions and, just and just writes checks. That's what the best owners in the game do. Most most of them, anyways. Also, we'll talk a little bit more about the Las Vegas Raiders 2-0 in the preseason, if that means 
means anything. I don't think it does, but um, I like what I'm seeing. I'll tell you what. There's some surprises, pleasant surprises, and we'll talk about that during that. The Las Vegas Aces have lost two of their last three games, which is something nobody would ever think would happen, but one of them didn't count, and they are still the best team in the WNBA record-wise. Are they the best team overall? Well, we're going to find out about that in a little bit as well. Also, um, UNLV, less than two weeks away from kickoff, uh, kicking off, I should say, the 2023 season with a new regime, Barry Odom at the helm. Uh, Barry Odom's going to join the show a little bit later on. I like what I'm seeing. I like his no-nonsense approach, and I think uh, if his quarterback can stay upright and the defense can be serviceable, UNLV might be able to surprise a few people this year. Um, also joining the show a little bit later on, a good friend of mine, Brett Raymer, who is the owner of Stallone's Italian Eatery. They just opened their second location on Friday night at the Santa Fe Station Casino. And Brett, also the star, the reality star on Animal Planet of the show Tanked, if you never saw that. Brett's a great guy. He will join the show as well. We'll also talk a little bit about the Aviators. Uh, Henderson, Little League man, after taking one on the chin in their opener, uh, just took it out yesterday on a team from Ohio, the Midwestern region. They just kicked their ass all over the place, and they are long gone, 13-2. to two. We'll, we'll try to squeeze in a little bit of that as well. But that's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own choose a company you can trust residential bank corp with on financial funding america one neighborhood at a time again call 702-964-5720 for details on current mortgage programs being offered in nevada doug before i have, uh, have spencer uh, jump into um nightcap i just got to say hurricane hillary you know i i immediately why why did i immediately think of hillary clinton well, I think everybody did. They've got the <laughs> memes and everything. Yeah, I, I was saying, and I don't care who it is, they really should do something because they ruin names. I mean, if you had a daughter named Katrina now, I mean, doesn't that seem kind of, you know, or or Karen or, you know, you get these big things. Can we name them after maybe animals? Yeah, or? Andrew. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're just killing names of exactly. kids. Exactly. We, we don't have enough names yeah. as it is. Let's not, let's well, not that, ruin well, that, more names. Well, that maybe that's the reason why we have all these cockamamie names right now that are coming in. Right, because I mean, they've run out of... My grandson, for God's sakes, I said, you know what my grandson's name is? If you ask my daughter, well, according to my dad, his name's Babe Ruth. And people are like, well, dude, dude, why do you call your grandson Babe Ruth? And I'm like, well, because my daughter decided that she wanted to name him Sincere. And I said, Taylor, that's a term. I mean, what if he decides to be an attorney? What judge is going to believe an attorney named Sincere? Sorry, immediately. I don't know. He'd be very sincere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't buy it. I'm not buying it. But I told her, I said, if you're going to call him Sincere, you want a unique name that nobody else has. You know, there's only been one Babe Ruth in history. Yes, his name was George Herman, but he's known to all of us as Babe, maybe the most iconic athletic figure in history. I'm an athletic guy as far as I love sports. I'm on the radio doing sports. So, you know, what? we're going to call him Babe Ruth. If you want to call him Sincere, so to me, Whenever I wish him happy birthday, anything, it's Babe Ruth. That's the way it is. What's on his legal? Uh... His legal is sincere, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, there you go. But, but, you know, just like grandfather, they said, what do you want to be called? Everyone was so excited, and I thought about it for a little bit, and everyone's like, um, I go, you know what? I think I'm going to be called G. Like, oh, that's so cute, Brian. G for grandpa. I said, no, G for gangster, but people will think it means grandpa. Double, right? double I, meaning. I, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't, I can't wrap my arms on grandpa. She settled on papa, which was pretty good. She was trying to call me gramps, and I said, that's not flying at all. I'll disown you both. But, uh, but uh, I, I I, I settled with Papa. But go ahead, Spence. Hit Nightcap. Hit nightcap. Let's, get, Let's into get into it. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. 
It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I spend a little bit of time every single Sunday morning. I kick off the show with, I should say, I face off the show. That would be more apropos, but with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And there's a reason for that. In six years, they have done nothing but electric, uh, literally make this community electric. Uh, again, it started before they really even began play on October 1st of 2017 with one of the biz- biggest tragedies we've experienced in America, let alone here in Las Vegas. And uh, it bonded this community. And then the Vegas Golden Knights start playing. And, and they do something that's just unprecedented for an actual true expansion team. They go to the Stanley Cup final in their first year, which was just something amazing. I think, you know, anybody that was got the opportunity to be around it or cover it, you don't even have something like that. You can't say you cross it off your bucket list because no one would have the wherewithal to put it on your bucket list. Because who the hell would ever think something like that could even happen? Well, in Vegas, we all experienced, Doug experienced it firsthand as well. Every game the guy is at, for almost every game, once in a great while, take a break. But for the most part, he's there every game in the press box. You've seen this. It has been nothing short of miraculous when you talk about professional sports. It's It was incredible. And to be a part of it, like I said, I felt like at the Stanley Cup final that first year, and again this year, I can say, I, I, I say the only thing I can equate it to, you want an analogy? Call me Uncle Fester. Give me a light bulb, man. It's going to light up in my mouth in T-Mobile Arena. That was the atmosphere in that place, one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. And this year, what was so great is we still had six members of the original Vegas Golden Knights misfits. And I corrected everyone on that because really it was five members. Because if you want to be in truth, Shea Theodore was let go at the beginning of the season. Not let go. He was cut in 2017 and sent down to Chicago and played in the AHL for about two weeks. And then they brought him back up. And I I was one of the first people to interview Shea. And I talked to him about that on the ice after the Stanley Cup final. And I went down. I said, you know, Shea, um, you know, it's crazy to think back to the first season, but you were sent down to Chicago at the very beginning. And I said, I said, you know, and then look what's happening. When I interviewed Shay, Doug, I don't know if you know this or not. It's funny because we have it on tape and Spencer played it actually a couple weeks ago for us. But I said to him at the very first time he came back up, I said, you know, Shay, I had you on my list as a guy making this team. And it was pretty surprising to me. I really thought you were one of the top six defensemen, for sure one of the top seven to at least be on the scratch list. And uh, he said, all he said to me is he looked at me and Shea Theodore is a really nice guy but with like a cold stare and he said I'm never going back down and I reminded him of that. He got a big smile on his face. I don't know if he directly remembered it was me or the question when I asked him. But he, got, he goes, yeah, you know, George McPhee actually came up to me today and apologized for letting me go in the first year. And, I, and we, played that, we played that interview on tape, and I thought it was actually pretty cool. That, that, that is amazing because – and I, I know behind the scenes there was some uh, hesitancy – to do what they did in the final game of the Stanley Cup final. But I'll tell you what, that charged the building, meaning playing all the, with apologies to William Carrier, playing the original misfits, so to speak. And that, to me, was absolutely that. When that happened, Ryan happened to be Ryan Wallace, the hockey guy who does the pre-post game and the intermission report, was sitting next to me because they were broadcasting right next to me for that time. And I go, right, that's it. They've won. That, that was a genius move. No, it, it really was. I mean, everything, you know, 
the they're maestros. You know, truly, McCrimmon and George McPhee are maestros. They are they are orchestrators. They are guys that, like I said, far be it from me or anybody out there to question anything they would do right now. They have been nothing but the epitome of success. And you know, they make moves you question every now and again. But again, like I said. I love Riley Smith. I think he is the epitome of a team player, a guy without question deserving of putting the first letter ever on his jersey for the Vegas Golden Knights, the A. However, if you look at the upside of Ivan Barbashev and what he brings and the fact that he's about five years younger, there, it was a no-brainer to me. You had to make a decision based on the salary restrictions, and Ivan Barbashev fit the long term. They're looking to extend this winning streak. Do you think Bill Foley is satisfied right now that he's got a Stanley Cup, two Stanley Cup final appearances and a Stanley Cup and a Conn Smythe winner on his team? Yes, he's extremely excited. Content? I Doubt it. Have you ever talked to the guy? The guy is successful because what he does is he is regimented in everything he does in his life to the point where he said, we're going to win the Stanley Cup in six years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> now, now, granted, you know, it wasn't basically being a prognosticator or anything. It, it was just his focus based on what he knew and what he had learned about hockey. Talking out, people said, look, you can do this in about a six-year period. I'm sure he got advice. He wasn't just talking out of his rear end. And, and look what happened. I mean, everything that you could have imagined happened. And the only thing that didn't was two things. They didn't win the Stanley Cup in the first year. And the second thing in the second year, they got absolutely screwed in the playoffs with a terrible penalty call on Cody Eakin. And the San Jose Sharks came back from a four-goal deficit in the final 10 minutes of the game and ousted the Golden Knights in the second round. That should have never happened. And if that doesn't happen, the Golden Knights in their existence, other than the one year they didn't make the playoffs because of so many man injury hours, they would have gone beyond the first round of the playoffs every year. But when that's incredible. Well, and what's so crazy about that is the year two call, the Cody Eakin thing that you're talking about, not a five-minute major, you know something was up because the NHL changed the way those rules are now called. And it was interesting, Pavelski, who was the player that was on the receiving end, the exact same thing happened to him in a game, I think it was before, so it was Seattle, Kraken. It was a face-off, Pavelski was on it, and the same kind of move that Eakin had made when they were playing against San Jose at the time and Pavelski went down kind of got injured I'm like okay now he was back again and he got injured I mean there's no doubt about it but I'm just like Let's settle down. Let's look at the but history was, and everything. No question about it. I mean, I, I you know, like I said, Joe Pavalski is going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. There's no question about it. This guy um, doesn't have a ring, doesn't have his name on the cup, but other than that, he's done just about everything he'd want to accomplish in hockey. I'm going to say, because I'm a Golden Knights fan and a former Wings fan, I'm happy he doesn't have a ring or hasn't won a cup. <laughs> you know, if the Golden Knights decide to pick him up like they did Phil Kessel at the end of his career, maybe he'll get one. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is is what they've done with this team is incredible. It has literally, it is, it, I really relish being from Detroit in a place called Hockey Town and walking around and having fans on the West Coast truly educated on the NHL, actually speaking intelligently about hockey. And, I, you know, before I would just quietly, you know, Doug, I'm a nice guy. I quietly would just sit there and not not correct people when they were making mistakes about the NHL, but I'm not seeing nearly as many of those mistakes made now. People understand, play 
They understand what I'm talking about when you say you have to win the battles in the neutral zone. They understand how important winning draws are and having guys in your team that have the ability to win a huge face-off at a critical time of a game, maybe in your own end. And things like that, when I would say those, it was like I was talking a foreign language. Well, go get Babel and you can interpret what I just said. But now people actually understand the linguistics of hockey, and that's really cool. You know who did a great job on that? was the broadcast crew. In year one, Dan Duva, Gary Lawless, and then over on TV, Shane Knighty, Dave Gosher, they did a great job of not talking down to the audience because, you know, I grew up a hockey fan too, so I knew all this stuff. But they educated people in year one and year two. You could hear the way yeah. they would explain things, not talk down to them, like I said, explain things. So I every time, you know, I think they – that's where also the Vegas Golden Knights organization did a great job. They hired great broadcasters to bring the game here. And, of course, Jesus Lopez now bringing it to the Spanish oh, community. Oh, man, he does such a good job. You want to talk about a guy that just gets so fired up. You know, you, you, when you hear uh, you know, somebody in a foreign language speaking hockey for the most part, especially Hispanic, it's soccer. You would think. Yeah, the, exactly. And his excitement for the NHL, he is really igniting the Hispanic community here in Las Vegas, which is actually very large they're hockey fans man you see a lot of people wearing hockey jerseys that i think in the past and i give jesus credit for part of that and it is the excitement enthusiasm i was with him we were taking pictures afterwards of each other and stuff on the ice after the the final and he was like a kid in a candy store and i love seeing that enthusiasm in somebody about any sport and wow what a great first hispanic announcer for the vegas golden knights he's got an amazing story sometime mid-season you might want to have him on the air because he speaks very good english also because his story i don't know if you know his whole story about where he's worked and things like that truly amazing i don't want to say it i'd rather have you no i'm gonna talk i, I to already him. i already talked to him about coming on the Perfect. show for sure yeah. and i'm getting much much better at spanish since i spent some time down in costa rica i've been working on my spanish I actually use duolingo not Babbel. by the way it's a great app and i'm helping out but real quickly what we started with with jonathan march so uh he took the first thing he did he started his morning with the stanley cup went to a children's hospital in quebec him and his m- wife and his family and the kids they marched around the hospital and you know what it was really really cool but that's the kind of guy jonathan march so is a guy that his entire life has been an overachiever, a guy that's been told he was too small, too slow. There's a lot of those stories in in professional sports. Jonathan Marchessault is one of those stories, and it's a good one, well deserved of everything. And I was, I couldn't have been happier. There's probably four different guys I thought could have won the Conn Smythe, uh, but I was so happy it went to Jonathan Marchessault, an original Vegas Gold Knight, and a guy I'll tell you that you know there's no question that at some point in time I think they'll erect a statue to Mark Andre Fleury. Is somewhere in that stadium. I, I think they should take guys, maybe that production line, and, and Jonathan March, those should be a guy considered at least some type of a wall of fame at T-Mobile Arena and whatever arena down the road that the Knights play for. He needs to be recognized throughout history, and I think a lot of them will. It's really, really cool uh, what they've done, and uh, I, I couldn't be more proud of a city or a team that's done it. Listen, I know we're running a little behind, but we always get carried away when we talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. Really quickly, I wanted to jump into the Las Vegas Aces. They've lost two of their last three games, but the, the Commissioner's Cup game didn't count. Uh, um, the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces played in a game, a couple of games now that have been very one-sided. Matter of fact, almost all of them, even the last game, the Aces won by 13 points. But 
I said that the, the, Liber- the Las Vegas Aces were a juggernaut, that I could not see any way of a team beating them in any kind of a series in the postseason this year. I'm going to stand corrected right now. That, Las- that, that New York Liberty team is really, really good. I mean, I, mean, I was just going to say, Brianna Inescu, uh, can, can, I mean, she can chuck it up. I, she made like two shots standing on the, on the 215. I mean, she was she I, would just. I've been at those games. I saw you down at Press Row. I was there, and I was going, oh, that's not going. And I mean, way beyond yeah. the three point just, line. Just, Sabrina Nescu, amazing. Insane. Her range is crazy good. And then the rest of the teams, I mean, you know, as good as Asia Wilson is, and I think she is a tremendous front person for the WNBA. I think that uh, she's charismatic, she's attractive, she plays so tremendously on both sides of the ball. One of the best on ball defenders in the game. And uh, hey, she's the leading shot blocker in the WNBA. All those things bode well. I still say Brianna Stewart's the best player in the game. I mean, when that woman is on she is just just both ends of the floor she's so hard to get around and she's like one of those players with the way she shoots the basketball that's just almost impossible to guard and you just have to hope that she's off which she was at the beginning of that both game games, really, yes she was off. and that's what scares me the yes. most because you come to the nba wnba playoffs and it's another level and she is one of those players that is capable of stepping up to the highest level of capability in in women's basketball well kia stokes has not uh scored at all I think in the last couple games and I think you see Candace Parker who's been out with a foot injury had foot surgery I think she's on a timetable to possibly return for some playoffs but it's kind of hurt them because you know you've got Young and Plum and of course Chelsea Gray is just amazing but they had a bad game and uh, you know that LA team right now that would be the matchup in the first round 1-8 it'd be LA and Las Vegas. That was interesting. I thought about the same thing when watching a little bit of the game yesterday. And, you know, the Sparks are starting to play better yep. basketball. They're more than likely going to be a playoff team, although they're battling for that eighth position right now. But they could move all the way up into fifth if they get, sure. get go on a run. And they just look, you know, you want to be playing your best at the end of a season in any sport, and L.A. Sparks are stepping up. They're now becoming a scary eight seed. <laughs> Doesn't it figure that? I can't imagine the Aces with a three-game cushion right now over the Liberty losing that three-game cushion based on the schedule they have remaining. But they do have to play the Liberty again. They've got to go down and play Atlanta. They had a four-game road trip starting on yep. Tuesday, and Atlanta is a team that could potentially get the four seed, and that's a, that's one home game. That's starting your playoffs with a home it's huge fourth and fifth so Atlanta wants that and it, although although they've had Atlanta's number the first game the first time they played Atlanta it was a very close game it was a five point game they've blown them out every time since but this game's in Atlanta and to me this is a telltale game for the Aces because one thing they haven't done they've lost two or three now they're four and three in their last seven if you count the Commissioner's Cup game but they have never lost back to back games this year so to this point and Atlanta's going to try to change that that on Tuesday night. It's going to be an interesting game. Slow starts is what's been getting them. They've gone down each of their last four games uh, at least 8 nothing, And it'll be interesting. Programming note, the away games will all be here midweek on Fox Sports Radio. Yep. So T.C. Martin does a great job with the call. I, I, I love listening to T.C. He's on the road. The weekday games will be here, weekend games back on ESPN. But they have been sluggish from the start in multiple games, and that's where I think Coach Becky Hammond now, in, of course, the Basketball Hall of Fame, that's where I think they got to come out right from the beginning, not get down in that hole, because then sometimes it's tough to, uh, you know, get back. 
There is no question about it. And to me, the biggest thing when you when you look at the you know the Aces going forward, and again, yes, I think they'll win the regular season crown and they'll be the number one seed. But if they get to the Liberty, which I think both teams, I think they're on a collision course. I just can't see these two teams being beaten in the series. It brought up Candace Parker, even. A Candace Parker at say seventy percent. It's just her presence in the paint, and that is the biggest problem with the WNBA, with the Aces, I should say. Is when Becky Hammond talks all about her big four, her big four: Asia Wilson, uh, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, and of course Chelsea Gray. The only one with size is Asia Wilson. And when Kia Stokes isn't performing, which she really has been underachieving since Candace Parker's gone down for the most part, there's no size on this team. And that is where the Liberty were just dominating. They've got, I mean, Brianna Stewart alone. How do you cover her? You can't put a Jackie Young on Brianna Stewart. As good as Jackie Young can defend, she's got she's got her by six, seven inches. It's not going to work. So that's going to be the problem. And Candace Parker, to me, it's funny because a lot of people said she came here to get a ring get one final championships, 38 years old, the end of her career. I think she's going to be counted on if this team does want to repeat and go back to back. Listen, uh, I don't know if uh, is, is Coach uh, Odom on yet. I, we don't see him on yet, Spencer. Okay, so we'll, we'll, go, we'll get into the UNLV segment. Uh, may, I, I think he's got the email. We'll make sure that uh, Coach Odom is going to be on with us shortly. But real quick, real but, quick but, he is he on? Is on? Nope, nope. I think he I think. I think he's on, Brian. Oh, okay, good, okay, good deal. Good deal. I, I, I didn't know, I didn't know that he was know, on. Exactly. I think we should go we should right go into right that into now, and we'll now talk, we'll about, talk the about the Raiders after the fact. But um, joining us now uh, is a new regime coming this season in UNLV football, one I think that a lot of us are anticipating simply because uh, those of us that had the opportunity to uh, – you know, talk with Barry Odom. He's been on the show once before. I got an opportunity to go to an early luncheon uh, ages ago that we didn't talk about much in the media, but both times super impressed. And the main thing with Barry Odom, and I think you'll see out there, he's a guy that doesn't make excuses. He's a no-nonsense coach. And he basically says, look, I'm here to win football games. I'm not going to sit and talk to you about rebuilding because realistically they don't give you time to rebuild. This is sports, man. You get a three, at best, a four-year window. And he's here to win right now. And and I like that. And there are some pieces in place, and he's went out and got some pieces that can make this team successful this year, although there's a hell of a schedule in front of him. Coach, welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. And uh, now we're... 13 days out from uh, kicking it off. It's a, it's a sprint to get there and get, and get this uh, started in the 2023 season. I can imagine, you know, you've got Bryant university that a lot of people, including myself, not super familiar with less than two weeks away. Um, who are they and what are you expecting to see from in this first game against Bryant? You know, they're a team that, that really last year, a lot of similarities to UNLV. They lost, you know, a number of close games, one score contest games. They've got an explosive offense, a terrific quarterback that's coming back. They've got a number of skill guys that in their in their league and uh, division, they're preseason some All-American guys and uh, they're disruptive on defense. You know, the first game last year, they were against uh, an FBS opponent, went in overtime and lost 38 to 37. So, uh, we need to play and play really well and play at a high level, and that's that's our charge as as a staff to get us ready to go play and play winning football. And our team has done a great job up to this point. Uh, now we're starting to get into some of the game plan uh, ways that you practice and what that looks like for our team and continue to build and work. And the rep count uh, has been 
you know, offense, defensive kicking. Now we're starting to get into uh, the training for, you know, what's that look like in game situations. So our team is as smart as we can in those situations when they come up here in, uh, in short order. Barry, you've got some really uh, lucrative games on this schedule, in particular the second game, of course, for these kids to get an opportunity to go to a historic place like Ann Arbor, Michigan, play in the big house against the number two at currently ranked team in the country, a team that's been in the college football playoffs the last couple of years. Um, how do you get this team to say, look, we've got a game coming up against Bryant and stay focused? And I know it's cliche-ish, we never look past the first game, but this would be a tough one not to look past and start thinking, God, we're going to Ann Arbor, we're playing at the Big House. And I know they've had experience playing at big games. Some of the guys that are you know remaining on the team, they got to play at the, the Horseshoe in Ohio State a couple of years ago. They played in South Penn at North, Notre Dame last year. So it's not that they haven't gotten an opportunity, but now you're going up against a Michigan team, uh, Hall of Fame coach in, uh, down the road in Jim Harbaugh, who is, is going to be present in the game and coaching in that game now. So again, Coach, a long soliloquy to lead to how the heck do you not have them looking past Bryant? Well, I think the, you know, successful competitors, they prepare um, as great as you can prepare every single week and every single day, really, if, if we can do it the right way and uh, teach them that, that the, the game is won or lost well before you step into the arena. It's, it's how you prepare, how you practice, your mindset, your focus, uh, the way that you prepare throughout the week. So once Saturday becomes uh, the opportunity to go play against another opponent, that opponent should be nameless and faceless. And it doesn't matter if we're playing in Allegiant or Ann Arbor or out in the parking lot. Our focus is dialed in on doing the best that we can to prepare to get ready to go play. Uh, I think every opportunity, if we take that approach, then when Saturday for those three and a half hours, it will go play at our best level. And, uh, you know, let's let's keep our blinders on let's focus and prepare and control and and take the narrative out of it let's prepare as well as we can to get ready to play our best uh on on those 12 Saturdays that we're given the opportunity to go compete well I had an opportunity a couple of weeks ago I guest hosted a different show and I had Doug Brunfield on with me and you know spoke very highly of the program right now I'm very happy with his physicality and the weight that he's put on and he's really happy with the change in, in regime and excited about the future with Barry Odom out there so that's big time but him along with all of it I mean yes um, they're going to be prepared each Saturday. And, and I could tell by what he said that they're going to be as prepared as they can be and they'll play at their highest level. But still, Coach, it is pretty cool you get to go to Ann Arbor play in the big house, right? Absolutely. I mean, you look at experiences for your student-athletes, and that is one one of the historic uh, venues in all of college football and all of sport uh, for us to get an opportunity to go compete together and put a UNLV brand on a national stage. It, it'll be an exciting opportunity for our kids and our program. The growth of Doug Brumfield with the weight he packed on and he has an NFL frame now looking at him in stature. He has definitely gotten bigger. I know you haven't changed his weight in the program, but there's no way he weighed the same as he did last year. He looks bigger. What is his ceiling and what are Barry Odom's expectations for his quarterback this season? You know, I've, I've been fortunate over the years to, to have been around a number of really good quarterbacks and talented guys at that position. And, I think it's the most important position in all the sport, um, the way that they can control and manage a game, the opportunities that they have in the run game, also delivering the ball, the leadership 
ways that that we expect our quarterbacks to lead not only the offense but our but our program. Doug has exceeded in in all those areas. He's grown. Um, he's added over 20 pounds uh, just physically. And but I think the things that you see and are able to watch him do managing two minute situations in practice, the ability to make the smart play and and sometimes on a second down and 10 when the, the throw isn't there, don't force it. Get as much as you can get on the ground, get out of bounds and let's go play a manageable third down. Some of those things, the football IQ part of it on playing the position is so important. And I think uh, without question, Doug's made a lot of strides in a positive way. And, and uh, you know, we need him to play well. That's the expectation. But also for us, we've got to make sure that guys around him play really well uh, as well to make his job easier. But um, he's going to have a successful season. And when he does, I think he can be mentioned nationally as one of the top quarterbacks in college football. Uh, like I said, he's got the frame, the stature, the arm strength, the elusiveness. Um, the, the key to Doug is going to be staying upright, and I'm sure that's a big focus of you, your offensive line, the, the, the running backs, uh, to all make sure they're doing their job, picking up their assignments to keep Doug Brumfield healthy because I think it's huge. It's funny, I, you know, you look and Doug's only a junior, and he's, you know, he started here as a true freshman, so it feels like Doug's been here forever, and I'm sure that experience is going to help him a great deal, especially the opportunity to play at some of the venues he's had the opportunity. Barry, the real question, uh, one of the, well, I should say one of the questions, the running back position. Aiden Robbins last year really was, was probably one of the bright spots of UNLV's football team. He's elected to hop in the portal and transfer out. You've brought in some people. What can we expect of the running game of UNLV this year? Sure. Yeah, I think number one, we've, we've got to be known um, when we have an opportunity to go play week in and week out that we, we have to establish the run game. That's, that's one of the key uh, pillars of, of what we're doing on offense. And, you know, I think more than anything, we've got uh, different styles at the, at the running back position, whether uh, Donovan Lester, who is a transfer in that's 6'2", 220 pounds and, and runs really well behind his pads. And then we've got Vincent Davis that transferred in from Pittsburgh. That's, uh, five nine and probably 180 pounds, but he's got tremendous quickness. Um, we're we're going to run a, a a number of guys in that spot, and I think you know you talked about Doug being able to protect him and keep him healthy. I think the run game takes a lot of that off of him, but also he can manage the game. And if we can run the ball starting up front, then then our offense can. Uh, be electric in, in the things that, that we can do on the field. Coach, final question. I want to let you know, first of all, I really appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, for the past couple of years, I'm not used to having the UNLV head coach join the show because uh, that wasn't something that was happening here for a little bit. I'll leave that subject alone, but we really appreciate you a great deal. Final question, the ceiling of this team, and what are your expectations? Yeah, number one, I, I like I said, when I joined the show, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys today. And uh, if we can get it set up throughout the season, I'll be on as many times as you want. And I think it's important that the city of Vegas understands that the UNLV football, we're, we want it to be our town, our city, our team. And uh, I think the more that we get our brand out there, the more that we have the opportunity to talk about our student athletes and our program, we need people to be in Allegiant to support us. And that's so important. But my expectations are to compete and win championships. And I don't want, uh, as you and I spoke, you know, soon after I got here, I don't, 
we, we don't have a long-term plan. It's a term that, that we're looking at right now. So I want us to make sure that we prepare the right way. We go play with great energy and enthusiasm. We play disciplined football. We play hard, smart, and tough and uh, start this thing out the right way uh, against Bryant. And then every week we play a little bit better at the end of the year. In November, we're playing meaningful games, competing for a championship, getting to a bowl, and uh, get this team where it needs to be. He is Barry Odom, head coach of the UNLV Rebels. Looking forward to the season. And Barry, I think all the pieces are in place now that this team can maybe make that turnaround. You've got the head coach. You have one of the nicest and most uh, up-to-date facilities in the country, maybe in the world, in Allegiant Stadium. And how about the Fertitta Center, a $30 million practice facility on campus that has to be lucrative for anybody that steps on campus and takes a look at that. Uh, coach Odom, we wish you nothing but the best of luck against Bryant in a couple weeks and for the rest of the season Again, thanks so much for taking time out to join the show. Thanks, guys. Have a great Sunday. Go Rebel. Coach Barry Odom. And, 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 you know, just like I said, it's just a good feel. And I don't mean to be like a jerk or joke around when I talk about it, but to me it's pretty serious. Uh, You know, the bottom line is I always think back, Doug, to um, uh, to Beast Mode. And I think of his line to the press always, I'm only here so I don't get fined. And you know what I would say at that time? I would always say, you know, if everyone exercised that right, all their contracts would start losing zeros because people need to know what's going on. And they don't want to just hear the fluff and everything else. They want the stories behind it. And sometimes, fortunately, and sometimes, unfortunately, that's our job. And um, as a kid growing up, you know, I stayed up late night to listen and watch Howard Cosell's highlights on Monday Night Football, the halftime highlights, because they were special. But Howard didn't sugarcoat things. And, you know, to a degree, it became his demise because he's in the booth with two other players that wanted sugarcoat things, that want to keep things up under wrap and Howard's like no we're going to talk about everything and you like that and when you get a coach at a collegiate level that won't talk to the media that really is so inaccessible you scratch your head at that because again not that we make or break or we're anything special none of us think that whatsoever at least none of the people that I know or hang around with or talk to but I take it very seriously and I want to report the truth and tell people either be optimistic or hey we've got some concerns but the bottom line it needs to be reported and when they won't talk to us we have to simply give our opinions and our opinions are you know what and uh but yet if you don't give us any material that's all we have to go with it's amazing how that is part of you get a bill belichick and i think he set a thing where if you win a lot because as we know he's kind of known to be salty and around the what press. a nice word salty for bill belichick. <laughs> well, that's 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 the radio friendly one uh being a raiders fan i could use other words but then i would never be on the air again <laughs> But it, it, it's it's amazing because the savvy coaches there, I'll go with all the S words. Well, not every S word. <laughs> but the savvy coaches know, you know, invite the media into certain aspects and they are there to help you. They're there to help you fill Allegiant Stadium. They're there to help you do all those things. And that last thing where he said, call anytime. I mean, that is that is great. And it's so nice. So refreshing. Have, it really is. And that that's the way it should be. Work together. And then, you know, most people, if you say honest things, and I don't blame coaches and things for getting mad with certain media for speculation and all that stuff. That's not the deal. But if it's just an honest critique of the product that's on the field, you know, you, you got to go with that. You're a coach. That's part of the, that's part of the gig. 
No, no question about it. And and like I said, a guy that comes in and says, you know, you always hear, well, it's our first year we'll be building. We've got a plan. We're going to put together a program. Barry Odom says, I need to come in and win or I'm going to get fired. And and you know what? That is so ultimately refreshing. Not that you want the guy to get fired, but to him to not blow smoke up our backsides is what I like. And this is a no-nonsense guy. And I've, I've been saying it since he took over as athletic director at UNLV. Eric Harper is also a yes. no-nonsense guy. Great and to job. me, the first true athletic director we've had in probably a decade no offense to um you know to a uh, uh, uh not does read read Francois. Offense to her, please. But the one before Tina, Tina yeah, Tina, Tina Kunzer Murphy. I mean, I like she a was a UNLV person. Yep. She was put into a position. She did the best job she could. She made some funky decisions that we were probably overcritical of, not taking into account that this was a position she never really. I can't say she didn't want it, but she never expected or prepared for it. She kind of got tossed into it. And then you know we were a stepping stone for Desiree Reed Francois, which I think was a debacle and a huge mistake, but Eric Harper is a guy that I think has the ability to create a sports culture again here at UNLV, and to me that is so incredibly important to see a culture established again, because there just hasn't been one since the early 90s when Shark was here. That was it, and uh, and we all miss those days, because you see how exciting it can be at UNLV. You see how exciting you saw during Summer League this year, just to see a, a rookie. Uh, that, that place was packed, and how exciting the Thomas and Max center can be when it is completely full of people. I wish Kevin Kruger nothing but the best oh, when it comes basketball season. One guy. of the nicest guys yep. you're going to meet. I think that this job may have been taken a little too early in his career. Of course, he can't turn it down. What are you going to say? No. I, I think he needed a little bit more experience under a few other head coaches before he took it. But hey, he's there now. This has been one of the best off seasons UNLV has had in a long time as far as using the portal goes. And we're going to see he's got a lot of talent this year, but I believe he is going to be expected to win this year. And I think anything short of an NIT bid and maybe even a win in the NIT will probably be his last season with UNLV. We'll talk about that at a different time. I don't know. Is Brett with us yet or no? No. Brett is Brett not. Is not. No? No? Okay, I don't oh. know. No, okay, we're not with us yet, Spence. Spence, 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 Spence no, not, not yet. Okay, maybe, okay, we'll, maybe have, we'll, have, we'll have Doug give him a call while we quickly talk about the Raiders here, uh, Spencer. Let me bring you in, and, and while he's working on getting uh, getting uh, Brett Raymer on the on the phone with us or on the, air, on with the us, air with us, we'll talk we'll this. Talk this. Um, um, anyway, anyway, what I want to say, say about the Raiders, the Raiders Spence, we saw, we saw yesterday, yesterday this, team this team looked good. good. It's preseason. Jimmy G, Jimmy G, first series, first series let, him let him right down, down the field, the field methodically, methodically, looked completely, completely in control, in control didn't, see didn't see a drop, a drop of rust for all the time it's been since he took a snap in the, in the NFL. NFL. But a year, a year uh, not, not, quite, not a year, quite a year, but, but it's but been it's a minute. Been a minute. Um, Spencer, um, Spencer, he looked, he good. looked good. And then, and then uh, uh, Brian, Brian Hoyer, Hoyer, I mean, he had I mean, a couple drop passes. Brian Hoyer is who we expect him to be. But I'll tell you what, Aiden O'Connell... He is, he is uh, uh, looks like looks the real, like deal, real to deal to me, and could, and be, could be the heir apparent, maybe, maybe even, even the, future the future of the Raiders, of the Raiders organization, organization at quarterback. And if not and if the Raiders, not the Raiders Spence, Spence, I think he's, I think got, he's a got a career in the NFL, in the NFL ahead, of ahead of him. It doesn't uh, seem that long ago when a certain number four on the Raiders was dominating in the preseason, and eventually he got the starting job. But it has been exciting. The hype is at an all-time high. If you go on Twitter, you can see Raiders fan going absolutely insane. But it was a great game. It was good to see Jimmy G out there. It was kind of surprising, right? Derek Carr didn't see a snap last year in the preseason. So it looks like maybe Josh McDaniels kind of learned a little bit from that because Derek Carr, while he looked bad all season, he looked rusty going into the first game. That's the best way I can describe it. 
So it looks like the offense is clicking on all cylinders, you know. Uh, I can't wait to see what all these additions. But, of course, like the biggest question right now, like it looks like a good drive. It's preseason. It's meaningless. No, no. But no, here, the number here is. Is it's no. not the it's not the same as in there, huh? But yeah, uh, this is great. I like the direction of the team is going in, <laughs> and uh, you know this is going to be a great season for the Raiders. I starting to start to believe a little bit. Maybe the over on the win totals. I'm not ready to say the playoffs just quite yet. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that front. But I think if, when I'm looking at Jimmy G and I see the way he plays, he's a little little bit off. You know what I mean? Like here and there, but. Overall, I think with Devontae Adams, hope, we'll see how the tight end room comes along. You know, Austin Hooper, it's so hard to bring in a rookie tight end. That's the position I'm the most worried about. Long-term wise, with Myers, I think it's going to be great. But, you know, uh, this season, I'm not sure. But if Jimmy, I think Jimmy G may end up having a better connection with Austin Hooper than he does with Myers. Uh, that's, that's definitely something to look at. And hopefully Josh Jacobs can, you know, enter the building pretty soon here. Well, Hooper, well, Hooper dropped, dropped a pretty, a pretty big, pass big pass yesterday, yesterday, and I was a little bit surprised at that. But um, I think for the most part, uh, he is going to be solid, and I think Meyer eventually will be the, the starting tight end here, and that guy's got all pro capability. So uh, looking forward to him. And I agree with most of what you spe- said, Spencer. Uh, the running back position looked pretty solid by committee yesterday. Um, you know, White looked good. Uh, Abdullah looked good. Um, Bolden looked good. They all carried the ball well in spots. They did their job and opened the game up in the passing game. And we have a very, very deep wide receiving core that really is surprisingly deep. And and I got to ask you, Spence, when you look at this wide receiving core of the Las Vegas Raiders right now, I mean, they're packed. And I don't know how many they can keep. I think they're for sure keeping three quarterbacks unless maybe they put O'Connell on the practice squad. But they might even keep Gravers and put him on the practice squad and have four quarterbacks in camp. That wouldn't be shocking. But when you look at their receivers and NFL experience-wise, um, Devontae Adams, of course, arguably, if not the best receiver in the game, I can't put him beyond be below the top three. Ten years in the NFL, the guy's as good as it gets. Hunter Renfro healthy again this year. Uh, going to be a big part of this team as well. And then you've got all these other guys. You know, guys like Philip Dorsett, who comes over nine years in the NFL. This is a gamer. I mean, he's at the back end of his career, but he looks really good. C- Christian Wilkerson, a couple of drops yesterday, but also that great pass or that great catch on the laser pass from O'Connell for the, their last touchdown. He looked really good. And Trey Tucker is, you know, rookie that they're pretty high on right now. I mean, what do you do when it comes to even even Keelan Cole Sr.? They seem to have plans for him, and that guy's got seven years' experience in the NFL. Spencer, who makes this team that maybe we didn't expect to make this team in the wide receiver position, and who gets cut that maybe we thought would make the team? Yeah, this is a tough one, and there's a couple of things I wanted to say, especially when it came to the running back room. And that there's something that's a fact: Josh McDaniels is one of the best schemers in the NFL, like offensive minds. You know, decision making in games is what his downfall was last year. There's no doubt in my mind that when it comes to you know getting these guys ready, no matter what the offensive line is, it's like borderline makeshift at this point. And they all looked good, and I think he makes them look good. I think that's what good run schemers do. The receiver core is really tight, Brian, and there's a lot of guys who are going to end up on other football teams because there just isn't a spot here. Trey Tucker, you know, has had a couple of drop passes this preseason, and that was kind of alarming, but then he had a really good catch. So it looks like he's kind of catching his stride. And, you know, we said that, like, Jamar Chase was dropping passes in the preseason, and everyone was writing him off. So I'm not here to say that that's a bad thing. But one thing that is very apparent is that Trey Tucker looks like one of the fastest players in the NFL. I mean, he had a big play. 
guy was like 10 yards behind him. Yeah, no doubt, yeah, no about, doubt it. about it. He, he, he looks like he's, he's going like to be a star, in the, star in the future. Real quickly, Real quickly back to back Aiden O'Connell. You know, 6'3", you know, 210 pounds. pounds. Kids 24, Kids 24 years, old. years old. In the in third, third quarter, quarter yesterday, yesterday Spence, Spence, 6 of 9, nine for, 106 for 106 yards. Okay, and then if you look at the first play of the fourth quarter, to me that exemplifies who this guy has the potential to be. He, he recognizes the coverage, sees nothing, and a guy not known for his legs scrambles for a first down. He showed that he's smart. Excellent play by a rookie. Again, he saw it, knew what he had in coverage, and took off and ran for the first down. Showed really good pocket presence. Stepped up and showed really good, you know, again, uh, didn't panic, trusted his protection. He takes an extra hitch, and he sees there's nothing there, and then he's gone. It was as good as he could have done in that position. Perfect result. And, you know, I was listening to Matt Millen and Rich Gannon, and they're talking about it during the broadcast. When you watch Aiden O'Connell's feet, there's no panic, no, no happy feet. It's a really good sign for a young quarterback, Spencer. Oh, well, Ryan, I'm trying not to get overexcited about it. It is preseason, but seeing this kid, man, has just – it's really cool to see. I was a little excited when I first drafted this I think he had like a 400 yard passing game and that's just not something that like some quarterbacks in the college are able to like physically do so i knew there was something there and then during the very beginning like the rookie training camps you hear this guy has a really good zip on the ball and those are the two things that i think that josh mcdaniels ever cares about like he he makes an offensive system where he kind of thinks for you he needs you to be quick with decision making he needs you to understand it but if you have the way to deliver the ball in his offense the way that he wants I, there's, he gets involved in a lot of play action he's quick he's got really strong arm he's got a rocket he had a couple of incredible passes i think they're showing one right here i mean for a rookie he doesn't look like one and that's a matter of fact i would be shocked if he wasn't qb number two and just quickly to say i think that because of what happened in the playoffs last year i think quarterbacks are allowed to have an emergency quarterback on hand and i could see that being the role that brian hoyer plays it very possibly. I think Brian Hoyer might come in initially just to, to calm him down, but I agree with you. I think he's going to be elevated to the number two quarterback pretty soon, Spencer. You know, I saw him. He was able to, at times, pick out his third option. That is something. The game For the game to slow down for a quarterback to be able to be looking at third and maybe fourth options, it's usually a couple of years into their career. I saw him do it twice yesterday where he clearly uh, ruled out his first two options and went to his third options, which, which is gigantic. He he can throw a dart. He has great arm strength, as you just mentioned. Um, the bottom line is his stats could have even been better than they were, Spencer, if he didn't have about three or four drop passes. Yeah, he had one super highlight catch in the game, but the bottom line is he looked as, he looked as sharp as a tack. The other thing that I really liked about the Raiders, a pleasant surprise. Spencer, how about the return game of this team and special teams? These two guys, DeAndre Carter and the guy we just talked about, Trey Tucker with his speed, these are return specialists, and I'm telling you, both seem to have the speed and the skill to change change field position, which could be a huge uh, asset if uh, th- what we what we are now starting to expect of them comes to fruition during the regular season. And we know how important it is, field position in a, in a game, and a lot of times the return game makes the difference in field position or can completely change a game. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. And Hunter Renfro has been the return guy for a real long time for the Raiders. And, you know, it's good. You never want to turn the ball over. That's the worst thing you can ever do on a punt. And Hunter Renfro is as solid as you could ever get at catching the ball and essentially falling like two yards in front of himself. But it would be exciting. You know, Trey Tucker, of course, just brings a completely different energy because of how fast he is. I would be – Billy's a rookie, so that's kind of the hard part. You would expect him to get the job just because he looked a lot more electric yesterday. It'd be great. I, I think the last time I remember a kickoff or a punt return was like Jacoby Ford, and that was like when I was like a teenager, Brian. It's been a long time since the Raiders have ever had anybody special uh, on special teams. No, no, it's, it's something that I think, you know, every – I can't say every, but most good teams that you see that advance in the postseason, they're sound on special teams. They're fundamentally sound. And over the years, you've seen a lot of special teams coaches get elevated from special teams coach to head coach because they have such a great knowledge of the importance of that aspect of the game. And uh, I think they win the respect of a lot of players when you have good special teams play and you're turning teams around. Um, Spence, now we're two games in. They've got their final preseason game next Saturday against the Dallas Cowboys. You are Mr. Raiders fan, like I'm Mr. Lions fan. What are your expectations now? I know what they were at the beginning of the season. We were talking this could be a six to seven win team. Do you still feel that way? If so, why? If not, why? Yeah, in week one, uh, I mean, I, I you can't circle a more important game because, right, it's not like they're going in and playing the best team in the league. It's the Broncos who are just muddled with controversy. Can they step above that? I think they're a better football team, especially because I don't think Russell Wilson's very good anymore. If they can win that first game and they can get some confidence going into the Bills, I don't expect them to win that game, although the Bills haven't looked great so far. If they fall apart, that'd be great. But going into that Steelers game, it's going to be crazy. I think the first three weeks are going to be the most telling. It's going to dictate. If they go 2-1, and one, I think they're going to have a shot at the wild card. It's just so unfortunate that they play in such a good division, right? It's the Chargers and the Chiefs you know are going to be good, and the Broncos you would assume would improve. But, you know, the Raiders won, could have won like half the games they lost last year, if not more. I mean, I think they played in like seven, like three-point games. And I think that as Joshua Daniels can just get a little bit better, and I think Jimmy G is going to be a way better pilot of this offense. I'm not saying he's better than Derek Carr talent-wise, but I think he's going to be a better pilot of Josh McDaniels' offense. If they can do that and they can get to nine wins, I'm not sure if that's enough for a wild card spot. We'll have to see like kind of how the the rest of the NFL goes. I think if they want to make the playoffs, it's got to be 10 wins. I just don't know if they can get there. But more than anything, I'm excited about the direction this team is going in. For the first time since the season, they signed Michael Crabtree, where it looked amazing. Because since then, it just hasn't had a very positive outlook. But now it looks pretty good, you know. No, without question, it does. And, and I am more, I am more optimistic, optimistic than maybe I was at the beginning of camp and watching Jimmy G in the practice I went to. However, um, I'm not giving anybody a championship. They're in one of the toughest divisions in football in the AFC West, and I still think they have a long road to haul. I did want to say we weren't able to get Brett Raymer on, some tactical difficulties back and forth. Not sure what happened, but again, Brett Raymer, the show of the reality show on Animal Planet Tank, but now his second restaurant just opened up Stallone. Italian eatery at the Santa Fe station. It opened on Friday. People from the Godfather sandwich, the Godmother sandwich, the pizza, the garlic knots, the lasagna. I am telling you, it is some of the best Italian food in Las Vegas. And he even has the the bread flown in from New York City for this. You've got to get out to Stallone's. He's got one there. He's also got one on Silverado Ranch in Gillespie. If you can get to either of those locations, trust me, it's great stuff. We'll have stuff to give away for you down the road for that as well. Listen, we're about out 
time. I did want to say congratulations to the Henderson Little League. We kind of mentioned it. They bounced back from that really tough loss in Game 1 of the Little League World Series. They knocked off Ohio 13-2. to Next game coming up, I think it is today, and uh, they'll try to stave off elimination again. I don't think they're going to be able to win the Little League World Series. I think there's some really good teams, but uh, you know it's cool that they're there. And hey, you never know. They have maybe the best pitcher in the tournament when he's on, uh, but then there's a couple of other really good pitchers too. Listen, we're out of time. I want to thank, uh, again, Barry Odom for joining the show today. Always Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, my right arm. Wouldn't know what to do without him. And Doug Douglas behind uh, the coined Wheels of Steel back here in the temporary Fox Sports studio. Again, we'll be back in the regular studio in a couple of weeks. Next week, no show. I'm taking a week off. I'm getting out of here. Uh, two weeks, uh, Spencer will be featuring on the show, I believe, with Chris Chapman in studio. I will be out of the country, but I'm still going to be joining you then. And we're just a couple weeks away from the NFL's actual regular season kicking off. Pretty cool. 